This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, sharing the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region. I'm your host, Gary Farrow. Know Your Stuff is a community organisation of volunteers. They are part of Aotearoa's legal and publicly funded drug checking programme, which also includes the Needle Exchange and the New Zealand Drug Foundation, to reduce drug-related harm. Emma Carroll is the Waikato Regional Lead for Know Your Stuff, and she joined me on WTS to discuss what the organisation does. As this episode involves discussions of an adult nature, it's best not to be taken in by little ears. You can always listen to the podcast another time on your favourite podcasting platform. Just search for WTS Waikato. Kia ora, ko Emma aho. Um, my name's Emma. I... My background, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I did my undergrad in data analytics. I then was very fortunate enough to get a scholarship to study chemistry at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. So I studied chemistry there. I also have done my postgrad in chemistry. I'm doing that at the moment. Um, so my background is science, very, very nerdy. Um, grew up in Wanganui, um, so my parents house was the kind of the safe house that everyone went to which is really lovely so it was a very accepting open house um i got into know your staff was i i came across drug checking at a festival in canada of all places and being a bit of a nerdy scientist i was like why are there little lab equipment over here what's going on so had a chat to them found out what they were doing um this is you know, North America, where they've got the opiate epidemic at the moment. Um, lots of people are unfortunately losing their life due to fentanyl and things like that. So they explained about how um, their whole point of being here is about reducing as much harm as possible. Um, and I thought to myself, this is amazing. Why do we not have this in New Zealand? I'm going to go back, find out if it exists. If it doesn't exist, I'm going to start it. Um, I did come back and I found that it did exist. So it had been kind of hanging out under the shadows, um, under the wonderful Wendy, um, under her guidance. So I signed up with them, um, have been through the journey from it being under the shadows to being kind of more accepted to then having a temporary legal license to now being fully legal, fully licensed. Um, we've passed bills, some of the most like incredible bills that are so progressive. Um, uh, it basically outlines like, yep, this is a fully legal service. This is like rules that we have in place about how how you can do drug checking. Um, and yeah, now we're a little bit funded by um, Ministry of Health. You're referring to it as it was under the shadows. Does that sort of mean that it was it was underground and it was not uh, publicly acceptable that it was happening? No. So. Um, 
the there was loopholes around that, um, but the way that the law was written basically meant that um, festivals were covering our butts. Um, there have been some amazing festivals that have been with us from the start. Um, they have been so, so, so key to the success of this. Um, basically acknowledging, or for a, for a festival to acknowledge that drug use is happening on their premise um, meant that they could lose all of their licensing. Um, but they were very passionate about the fact that they cared more about their patrons um, and making sure that their community was safe. Um, and yeah, us, we never actually touched the substance. We basically sat with them with an um, instrument, an FTIR, um, and we guided them through checking their own substances and provided harm reduction. I mean, as you can imagine, when people aren't familiar with tools, it was very janky, uh, very awkward. So yeah, it was, it was a bit of a legal gray area. Um, we did have police support during that. Um, they basically were like, cool, we're not going to pursue anything to do with this, but like, yeah, we maybe should work on this and find a way to make it explicitly legal. And that's what's happened. That is awesome. And yeah, I guess police are considering that, you know, it, it's sort of nipping the problems of, of drug usage um, at the source. Mm. Um, or, you know, by giving people an understanding of what they are actually taking. Now, that brings us to um, our second quite blunt question that I've got here. So what exactly is Know Your Stuff? Because I know people want to know what uh, what substances they are taking mm -hmm. or that they may unwittingly be taking. Um, but what's the ethos of the entire organisation, like how it works? Is it is it meant to enable people to safely use uh, substances or is it to sort of work against substance abuse? Yeah, so... I think it's really important to state that we are a health service, we're a harm reduction service, um, and we are agnostic about the use of drugs. We don't really care if you are taking them, we don't care if you want to get off them necessarily. What we care about is you are taking them. Um, we have a, imagine a wheel, and you've got all of your spokes, you've got um, law enforcement who's working to prevent the circulation of substances. You have addiction services who are working to with people who are wanting to move away from taking substances. You have people who give talks in schools, for example, who are working to prevent people from starting to take substances in the first place. There is a massive lack for people who are taking a substance. That's where we fit in. That's our niche. We, we are purely there to give information and we are purely there to reduce as much risk as possible so that should you decide, okay, I don't want to take this substance anymore, we're able to direct you. That's Our niche is not to push you in that direction. Our niche is just to purely accept that it is happening and reduce harm in that space. That's our niche. Um, so, yeah, we our main focus is, is the harm reduction aspect of it. So sitting down, having really frank conversations with people, you know, okay, if you are going to take a slightly higher risk substance, you're going to need to proportionately adjust how you manage your risk, manage the harm profile of that. So if someone is taking things like opiates um, and they're using injectable drugs, for example, accepting that they've come here, they've used our service, that's fantastic. Um, they're always so 
they're so accepted in our space, you know, well done for coming. Um, some things that you need to know, having things like naloxone, knowing where to get stuff like that, making sure that you have a support network who are going to call an ambulance for you should you need to escalate to that level, um, making sure that what they are taking, they're getting fresh needles, they know where to get that from, um, they know about hepatitis C and like all of those other tie-in networks and should they choose to raise with us that they want to stop taking that, um, we are able to refer them on to places that can help with that. Um, that's not our space, that's the limits of our services. We are harm reduction in a space where people are choosing to take drugs um, and we are more than happy to refer people but as a, as a service we are agnostic, um, we just care about individuals and people and, and keeping people safe. You enable people to be informed and prepared and have safety measures in place so that they can make their own decisions and uh, experience minimal to no harm. Is, is that about right? Yeah, we, we aim to reduce the harm associated with, um, yeah, with people taking substances. Um, like you think alcohol, alcohol on bottles have the percentage, right? You know what you're taking, there's lots of information, you're not going to accidentally be like, oh wow, I'm going to take this drink of water, when it's like, you know, fully full to the top of just straight 100% proof alcohol. Um, we don't have that with illicit markets. Um, and there's also a lot of stigma involved. And I think it's also really important to note um, things like methamphetamine. There is so much stigma around it, um, but people don't realise that the vast majority of people who take methamphetamine um, use it less than once a month. Um, what we see is the people who have nothing left to lose. Because if you compare something like MDMA versus methamphetamine, nobody is going to say, oh my gosh, that person should not have their job, that person should go to jail, that person should not have their kids. Um, whereas if someone admits to taking something like methamphetamine, um, there is a lot more stigma involved. Um, and so our role in harm reduction also kind of involves social harm as well and just trying to like break that stigma um, because yeah we, we want to encourage people to use our service um, and we want to encourage that people are safe and by reducing the stigma it also allows people to access and want to access um, services not even ours but all health services in general. Having access to information and knowing knowing what to do in situations is always key like people people will make safe decisions for themselves when put in a room with data that helps them make that decision um, unfortunately due to prohibition we've made it so there is no access or no real ability to have that um, we're trying to kind of like break those walls at the moment yeah so we've been operating legally for three years now but about eight eight unofficially um, we've tested 10,890 plus samples. Uh, of that, about 2,100 of those have come back as either dangerous or pretending to be another substance. So it's quite a considerable, quite a considerable amount. About 80% of what we see is as presumed, which is still, you know, one in five substances coming through our doors is not what people are expecting. Yeah, so that is because of um, sort of the underground nature of recreational drug use yeah. where people aren't able to uh, 
aren't necessarily able to understand what they are or yeah. are not taking. <laughs> yeah, and then there's sometimes it's like, you know, you can't often tell by eye what what a certain drug is. So there has been instances where people have brought in um, MDMA and they've just assumed it was MDMA, but it's actually turned out to be ketamine. Um, so in that instance, both drugs are, you know, consumable drugs. They're considered desired, um, but they ter- have very different methods of dosage if you took an amount of ketamine um, that you would expect to be MDMA which is about 100 milligrams that would end up basically you unconscious if if you'd taken ketamine on accident um, so even just having having those kinds of instances is really important because you know you, you don't want that person was not intending to have a horrific night they were just intending on taking a safe or not a safe but a um a, a common dosage of MDMA and they've ended up just having a horrific night. And people don't really think about um, the influence of mixing psychoactive substances. So people forget that alcohol and caffeine are psychoactive substances um, and they do have quite harsh physiological um, things when you consume with other substances. So MDMA, caffeine, they're both stimulants. That extra pressure is going to put a lot of stress on your heart. Um, alcohol and things like ketamine, um, people don't really think about that. But you know, alcohol is a psychoactive substance, um, and pretty much alcohol with any drug is a no-no. We've got these really awesome sheets that um, basically are like um, really dangerous combinations, um, and alcohol pretty much with any of our illicit substances, even non-illicit substances like our painkillers. Um, is pretty much just a big no-no. And people don't really think about that. It's just so socially acceptable to drink alcohol on a night out. Mm, Exactly. I've heard that about um, prescription medications. They can be, um, in a way, psychoactive. And recently there was even a study in Europe, I believe it was the Netherlands, where they found out paracetamol has an actual effect on your mind that makes you worry about stuff less. Mm. which is part of the reason why you feel less pain when you have paracetamol. So that is a small psychoactive effect that everyday paracetamol is having. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just so easy to, um, yeah, just go to the cupboard and get some paracetamol and you happen to be having an evening with a few drinks as well. Um, but it puts huge stress on your liver as well as your nervous system and, yeah. and everything. So that is, again, that is that incredibly entry-level um, mm-hmm. stuff, but it just opens out into this massive um, landscape that yeah. you know your stuff is uh, is dealing with. Yeah, and if, if all you've heard all your life is don't take drugs, don't take drugs, don't take drugs, they'll kill you, nobody's going, hey, okay, if you are going to take them, here are some things you need to know. There's not ever really been a dialogue about that. Um, we're trying to encourage people to have conversations about that um, and get it from people who are backed by data and evidence rather than, you know, your your 18-year-old friend who who doesn't really know what they're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what sort of events does Know Your Stuff go to? Are they sort of mainstream and larger events or um, smaller events as well? Yeah, that really depends. Um, we we get invited to places. Um, so we can't just go to a venue and just set up. 
Um, we do need to be invited there. Um, but we we do student events. So um, some of our um, student unions, we haven't managed to tap into Waikato University yet. Um, we have tried, um, but there are still, of course, barriers of like, oh gosh, if we are seen to be accepting drug use, then that means we're condoning drug use. And it's like, no, you're not condoning drug use, you're just taking care of your students. Um, so we do do some student events. We do big festivals. So we were at Northern Base this year. Um, we also do some more like boutique festivals. Um, yeah, we're we're everywhere. It's it's been amazing just to kind of watch us expand into that space. Um, we do really like working alongside other volunteer organisations like Deep Space, for example. So Deep Space, um, they are a basically a safe space. So um, a lot of festivals, if you have consumed a little bit too much, you feel very overwhelmed. Um, the options are like your medics or like find security or police officer and those are often quite scary spaces so deep space kind of acts as the in-between which is like a cool I can go to this place um you know chill out for a little bit make sure I'm okay there's people there that are just so lovely and they take care of you and then you're like cool right I'm ready to go out on my journey um so we love working at, at uh, venues that have those kind of harm reduction things as well um, but yeah, we, we are everywhere and we also do really small clinics. So um, we do work with the Needle Exchange. So they are on Vialu Street in Hamilton. Um, Danielle works there and she is just the most amazing person. She is so protective of her clients um, and to be invited into that space is something that I feel very privileged to be to be involved in. Um, yeah, so the, the typical clientele, there would be um, people, like it's set up for um, intravenous drug users. Um, so you have access to healthcare because um, access to healthcare is sometimes a bit of a barrier. Um, so having someone who is not going to judge you, who is also trained in medically, fantastic. Um, you have access to things like naloxone. You have access to um, other substances such as the methadone program. Um, so, and you can kind of take another psychoactive substance that is less of a harm profile than what you might be getting illicitly. So we do work in with a lot of other networks within that space. So we're kind of everywhere. So again, it's actually helping people understand what they are taking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, giving them an alternative to a potentially more harmful version of the substance. Yeah. And providing them with that environment where they feel safe and they yeah. they don't feel judged um i guess you would be hoping that at events that would become more normalized that people were actually able to go and go to the tents of organizations and 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 feel completely safe yeah having having the law board in that makes it explicitly legal and states police can't come on our venue um police can't use any of our data like the presence of you being at a drug checking service as a reason to search you we can't collect any personal information about you whatsoever we can't even know your name um so if you do tell us your name it goes in one ear out the other so there might be times where we see familiar faces but i have no idea who they are what they do what they do in their life 
and having that explicitly written down now in law I think is is a great thing because it means that people are slowly starting to come around to the idea that like okay this isn't just some weird secret come into our tent we're gonna bust you for having drugs organization it's like no okay we've actually managed to get police on board um, and have them be like cool this is your space what you're doing is actually reducing my workload and I'm already understaffed thank you (laughs) 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 understaffed under resourced I really don't want to deal with this (laughs) yeah so how do you guys actually get your resources to carry out your operations yeah so we we do still run off the smell of an oily rag to put it as Chloe Swarbrick once said Um, we are a charity So we do get a little bit of government funding that covers our operational expenditure. So it basically keeps us as an organization afloat. Um, We do definitely still rely on donations for things like advocacy, um, for um, a lot of our purchasing stuff. Um, Yeah, so we get a bit of funding from when we are at festivals. Festivals will pay us to be there. a little bit of government funding but a lot of a lot of donation base like that's kind of what helps us do the vast majority of our work and we're very very thankful for everyone who has supported us along the way now people who come to know your stuff uh, to your volunteers to have a substance tested uh, sometimes it would be before they take it but sometimes it would be after they take it I imagine yeah the vast majority would be before um, I think the idea that people who consume substances are just, you know, idiots, whatever, um, is just so incorrect. Um, A lot of people come in and they they haven't taken it before. They may have used their last lot up um, and they're like, cool, got a new new batch coming through. I just want to get it tested so I have peace of mind of knowing what I'm taking. Um, There are some people who have consumed it and they've had a really kind of like bad time on it. Um, sometimes that's just because they've taken another substance that interacts with it, um, which is really handy because you can have that harm reduction conversation, which is yeah, basically the biggest, most important part of our services is that real harm reduction aspect of things. Um, having a conversation like, okay, cool, the reason you may have felt really anxious with this batch of MDMA is not actually because the MDMA is cathinones. Um, it's probably because you were consuming vodka red bulls and (laughs) you know lots of caffeine people don't think about as a psychoactive substance like those two components don't interact really well and they do cause anxiety so in this instance like you were okay you're not gonna like you're not gonna die um but just know for next time just to you know don't consume it with caffeine and caffeine increases metabolism so that would involve um quicker uptake of a substance potentially yeah mostly mostly the effects of felt is just due to the extreme amount of caffeine like like vodka red bulls red bull has quite a, a high amount of caffeine in it so just you know having two or three of those is going to cause you to be anxious anyway exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's my understanding that if somebody has a medical event and needs to go to hospital because they've taken an illegal psychoactive substance. Mm-hmm. There's laws protecting the judgment of that person in medical care. The medical services 100% role is to save that person. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So the if you have to go to hospital because you've uh, 
had an overdose or you've had a substance which you didn't know mm -hmm. uh, what you were having you're just going there to get the medical help you're not yeah. you're not going to get ratted out to the police yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes so there there is a structure called um dians which is drug information alerts aotearoa new zealand um we operate within that space so there is it's very it's very weird so i'm going to try to explain it in the best mm -hmm. way possible you have a um nominated member of the new zealand police force right so they are a harm reduction spokesperson. So they're not active on, you know, doing drug busts and stuff. They're basically like, cool, this is what we found within our network. Hospitals also have one of those people. Um, us as Know Your Stuff, other drug checking organisations such as um, the New Zealand Needle Exchanges and also New Zealand Drug Foundation are part of that. Uh, you've also got Customs. Um, you've also got St John's. So it may pop into the alert system. So that would not be like, oh my gosh, this person's done something really bad. It might just be like, oh, okay, hey, we found like this really bad substance in this area. Look out for it. Look out for people. Wait, we might need some more resources in this area for that specific kind of event. Um, so there is a little bit of information that goes out, but it's all anonymized. Um, so the information that we would provide them is just like, okay, we found this horrific substitution that we know was going to cause harm. Um, we might want to make sure that we have sufficient stocks of naloxone at hospitals around here. So people are actually legally protected yeah. to receive whatever help they need from yeah. the medical system. Yeah. So, yeah. Health, health, like on an individual level, your health will always come first. Um, it doesn't matter where you are, where you've come from, what you're doing. Um, the the most important thing is that we keep you safe and we get you the help that we need. There is a massive network of people that are, <laughs> I guess you could say, on the side of drugs, on the war of drugs. Um, <laughs> we're, we're unfortunately on the winning side. Um, you know, it's not going to go away anytime soon. It's always going to be here and people will always take substances. Um, you can try reduce the amount of people that do that. You can make sure that people have all the social networks that they need to make sure that they kind of stay away from the substance. But at the end of the day, like drug use is not inherently harmful. There is more harmful ways of taking a substance. There is less harmful ways of taking a substance. There is no safe substance, um, and there is no like inherently awful substance. It's all about your dosage. It's all about how you're taking it. It's all about the environment that you're in. It's all about knowing what you're doing. Um, it's all about making sure that you've got all of your social nets um, and all of the, the things available to you that you might need should you take a substance. Um, and just really like drilling that in, like, you know, there, there is no such thing as safe, um, but you can reduce your harm to levels where it's not going to be considered problematic. Um, but again, it is still an illegal substance, and there's always still going to be that aspect of social harm um, that unfortunately we can't, we can't stop. We do our best to advocate, and we're going to continue to advocate um, around that. But there is still, there is still unfortunately bias and unfortunately stigma. Um, and that's probably always going to be there for a very long time. Thanks very much to Emma Carroll from Know Your Stuff for coming on WTS. If you'd like to find when the organisation has a checking day near you, or you are interested in volunteering with the team, you can find all the information at knowyourstuff.nz. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.